Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And nice enough to join us on the line. We are not going to just talk about Eagles-Cowboys with him. We have to talk about the basketball team in town, that uh, that atrocity that took place Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. we got to talk Sean Connery with him and a uh, brilliant column. Uh, written in the Inquirer, which we'll get to very, very shortly. Joining us on the line, columnist for the theinquiryinquirer.com, Mike Sealski. Yo, Mike. Hey, John. How are you, pal? Uh, Mike, how was uh, – How did I was just curious. I'm just curious. It's completely off topic here. Uh, but you have kids right around my age. How did Halloween go? Well, first of all, my kids are not around your age. I think you're, what, 35? And I'm, I'm only 45, so I do not have kids your age. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, <laughs> I do have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Right. And Halloween, no, no, no. Uh, yes. Okay. That's what I mean. My kids are nine and eight. Yeah, I know you're older, Mike. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. No, Halloween was awesome. Um, we we had a great we have a great neighborhood. Everybody went all out. There were tables all set up in front of everybody's house so that you could socially distance while you were trick or treating. Um, it all it was terrific. That's, that's nice. Uh, good. I, I did something very, very similar. So, Mike, I, I have to start uh, with what one organization did uh, in this town on Friday. Tried to sweep something under the rug, a Friday afternoon news dump, but I, I refuse to let them off the hook here. Mike, why, why, why would the Phillies let Andy McPhail speak? Well, that's a good question. It just gets better and better every time he does, doesn't it? Um, you know, th- this has been an ongoing problem for them ever since. It, it even predates McPhail, if you think about it. Because um, if you remember, as, I mean, I like Ruben Amaro as much as the next guy, but um, if you go back to when his final year as the general manager, um, he made some comments, too, about uh, fans in this town, um, about people being impatient, uh, I believe it was in the context of whether they ought to bring Aaron Nola up, um, mm. you know, while Nola was still in the minor leagues. And um, and then you had McPhail come in, and every time he talked, you know, the two or three times a year that he would talk, it would be uh, a mushroom cloud in the aftermath. And this was no different. Um, you know, just having him kind of say that COVID was going to prevent the Phillies from moving quickly to – you know, make changes in their front office uh, was was not the right thing to say. It was not a smart thing to say. It, you know, he sounded like a guy who was already on the way out, um, right. and which he is. And where does that leave the Phillies? Nobody seems to know. Well, and that's, you know, the overwhelming thing I got from that overall more than anything else was based on what he said about the future of general manager and president, although you know, he has the title right now and full support of the owner, 
all that he said in however many minutes that Zoom availability was screamed of someone who has already retired and is only collecting a paycheck. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly what he sounded like, and that's exactly the situation he's in. Um, you know, he – I mean, look, nobody outside of the organization really, really knows, um, you know, how much of a role he has played uh, in the last five years. I mean, obviously, Clentac was his hand-picked guy, um, and we saw where that got the Phillies after five years of trying to rebuild. Um, you know, and I think that's – I'm not sure there's much else that – anybody in that organization now can say because, you know, it was one thing within a year or two of bringing in McPhail and Klintak to say, okay, they have to be patient. You know, they have to, um, you know, rebuild and rework what's been done over the last few years, but they had five years to do it and they haven't replenished the talent in the farm system. Um, you know, I, I'd said this for the last year or so, even before that, the reason you heard so much about Alex Bohm, Alex Bohm, excuse me, was because he was really the only prospect they had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now he turned out he had a terrific rookie season, um, and he may very well turn out to be a terrific player. But you, you got to have more than one guy like that, and they don't. And um, I'm not sure what else Andy McPhail could possibly say at this point um, to make anybody happy because there's nothing there really for the Phillies to be happy about. Right. I, I totally agree. Meanwhile, uh, as you point out, he was uh, Andy McPhil had remarked how nobody wants to relocate in the middle of a, t- a pandemic. Meanwhile, on the other side of the Delaware in Camden, in the middle of a pandemic, the 76ers, to the surprise of, I think, just about everybody, not only hired a new head coach and staff, two vice presidents, and most importantly, a president in Daryl Morey. Uh, Mike, you and I have spent many nights at either the Wells Fargo Center or the team facility discussing uh, all that has all that is wrong with how the Sixers are run. But, Mike, what on earth do you think changed to make them do this uh, about-face and and entirely new mindset here? Well, remember, John, there had been, you know, reports and rumors of them, you know, trying to talk to Maury and showing interest in Maury a couple of years ago. Um, And Maury kind of used that to get a contract extension and more money from the Rockets. Um, So perhaps the groundwork was laid there. Um, You know, I also think that, you know, if you go back to – the beginning of the offseason when things were hot and heavy between the Sixers and Mike D'Antoni, you know, you wonder if some groundwork was, again, relayed at that point Mm. um, when it looked like D'Antoni was going to be the guy who the Sixers were going to hire, and then all of a sudden Doc Rivers becomes available. Um, And so it's easy to transition from, hey, maybe we can get D'Antoni and Maury to, oh, here's Doc Rivers. We got Doc Rivers, and hey, Daryl, now that you're available, how do you feel about working with Doc? And Daryl says, yeah, I respect Doc. And Doc says, yeah, I respect Daryl, and here we are. Um, you know, I think it's a terrific move for the Sixers on paper. I think Maury is, if he's not the best general manager or player evaluator and team builder in the NBA, he's among the best. Um, I'm still skeptical, given the ownership group and how much, you know, changing of plans there's been since this ownership group took over the team, um, that this is going to work out. But on paper, between Daryl Maury and Doc Rivers, um, you should feel pretty good if you're a Sixers fan. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Mike Sielski, uh, nice enough to join us this afternoon. Now, Mike, now to the massive game tonight at the link. Uh, Eagles are double-digit favorites. It's hovering between 10.5 and 11 points as we speak. Mike, is this matchup for the Eagles as easy as it looks? Man, you know, I'm not as smart as the guys in Vegas when it comes to setting lines and things like that. And, but, I mean, the, <laughs> the Eagles haven't blown anybody out yet. I mean – you know, 
they struggled. They had to come back to beat the Giants last week. Everybody saw that, knows what happened. I mean, the Cowboys are really in bad shape, but I got to see it to believe it when it comes to looking at this Eagles team and what they've done this season and saying, oh, okay, well, they're going to have an easy victory tonight over the Cowboys. I don't care how bad the Cowboys are. I mean, I think they'll win by, I think 10 is probably, I would say something like, you know, 27-17, something along those lines. But I'm not sure the Eagles are in a position or are the kind of team that you can say, well, um, you know, this game or that game is going to be an easy victory. Maybe I'll, I'll turn out to be wrong, but I would be mildly surprised if they beat the Cowboys handily. Well, as a follow-up to that, and you, you've partially answered what I'm about to ask you, but I, I have to assume, um, safely assume, that all this optimism is purely based on watching Dallas because it, you can spin things all you want. The Eagles still have twice as many, uh, have lost twice as many games as they have won. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're entirely right, John. I think this is all about who the Cowboys are um, and how bad, you know, they've been this season, um, how much of a mess they are, you know, inside the locker room, outside the locker room, all, you know, injuries, all of that. Um, and that always kind of makes me a little weary of, you know, picking a game like that when a team has so much going against it. Now, having said that, you know, the, the quarterback that the Cowboys are going to roll out there tonight is not exactly, you know, he ain't a combination of Troy Aikman and Tony <laughs> Romo and Dak Prescott all mixed up into one. So, you know, if they're going to lose, if the Eagles are going to lose this game, it's going to be them, I think, losing the game because right. they commit too many mistakes or the weather becomes a factor or something along those lines. I just, like, like we said, I haven't seen enough from the Eagles this season to say, oh, okay, well, they've got the Cowboys tonight so they can just roll over them. I, I find it hard to believe they're going to roll over anybody. Again, I could be wrong. Second to last question I have for you, Mike. Uh, Eagles-Cowboys have a historic rivalry of which I thought I knew everything about, every little detail. Well, I was wrong. Uh, I encourage everyone to go to Mike Sealski's Twitter, at Mike Sealski, and click on the link to the following story. Um, Mike, who is Richmond Flowers Jr.? So Richmond Flowers was a uh, very talented and popular dual-sport athlete, at the University of Tennessee back in the late 60s. He was a football star and a track star, and uh, the Cowboys drafted him uh, in the second round of the draft in 1969 he moved to defensive back uh played a few games for them you know over a couple of seasons they got traded to the giants um but the big thing you know that richmond flowers is known for uh, in a lot of ways is uh his father was governor george wallace's foil um in alabama politics the segregationist governor governor george wallace flowers senior was the attorney general he he went after and kind of uh ran against and stood against wallace and some of the uh, racial policies that, that Wallace stood for and enacted while in Alabama. And um, Richmond Flowers Jr., the former cowboy, actually led a boycott of an SEC uh, at the SEC track championships back in 1968 hmm. um, because um, the Southeastern Conference used to not fly the American flag um, at these track meets. And uh, he and a, uh, a sprinter, a black sprinter uh, named Jim Green from the University of Kentucky got about 120 uh, SEC athletes to threaten to boycott uh, these championship meets if the conference didn't start flying the American flag. So I ended up, you know, telling that story just because, you know, we've all been discussing for the last three, four, five years um, the issue of what athletes do during the Star Spangled Banner before games. And to me, this was kind of an interesting look back at the way things once were, you know, 52 years ago. Well, and I encourage, again, everybody to uh, click on the link and read it. Go right to Mike's Twitter if it's easier for you, at Mike Sealski, and it's 
uh, one of his most recent on his timeline. So, Mike, I, I mean, just because I, I don't think some people don't realize when you're doing a piece in the manner of, of the one you're speaking of, how much time invested? Because I had no idea about any of this until I read the story. How much? How many man hours would you say you put into writing this single column? Uh, well, actually, if you think about it, I put more than a year of my time into it because I actually talked to uh, Richmond Flowers and Jim Green last year. My plan was to write this piece last year um, after the Eagles fell to five and seven because I thought, well, if they lose one or two more games, the season is over for them and they'll be irrelevant with two or three games left in the season. And that'll be the perfect time for me to write this kind of piece, which really isn't connected to any one particular game or anything like that. Well, they went on and won their last four games and made the playoffs. So nobody, you know, in Philadelphia was going to give a hoot about Richard <laughs> Richmond Flowers at that time. So I just put the column in my back pocket, kept reporting it, kept doing the research, and then, uh, you know, came this year and, and the first Cowboys game. I figured it was the time to do it. But there was a lot of time spent tracking Richmond down, tracking Jim Green down, um, you know, a couple of weeks of going through old newspaper clippings and things like that. It's uh, I highly recommend newspapers.com. If you like history at all, um, it's an amazing website. It's amazing. I'm kind of fascinated by what we've forgotten yeah. over time. There are the tons of things that happened 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that we've just memory hold as a society, and I love going back and finding out about uh, stories like this. No, I couldn't agree more. And, again, I highly suggest everybody uh, read it on the – just go to the link, inquire.com. Uh, go to the link on Mike's uh, Twitter, at Mike Sealski. Mike, final question I have for you, because you are a man who loves entertainment. You love the movies. And, uh, uh, sadly, we lost a legend yesterday in Sean Connery. Um, Mike Sealski, what is your favorite Sean Connery role? Uh, you know, I really love him in The Hunt for Red October. Um, and I know everybody quotes The Untouchables and think, or thinks of him as James Bond or the man who would be king. But to me, The Hunt for Red October really holds up well. And it has... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass myself here, but it has my all-time favorite Sean Connery line, which is, um, you know, he's, he's playing the Russian submarine captain who wants to defect, and he's afraid of running into um, the Americans because he doesn't know how the Americans are going to react to the idea that he and his crew are trying to defect. And, you know, he says, if we run into the right Americans, this will work. We get some buckaroo. And then you cut to Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan, like shaking, shivering as he's flying uh, in the helicopter to go out to meet the submarine. Um, and I love that line. The <laughs> I think that's great. Well, I'll be isolating that and using that uh, your imitation of him for the rest of the show. God, don't do that. No, don't <laughs> put that on anybody, please. Mike Sealski, a brilliant columnist for the Inquiry, Inquiry.com. Mike, thanks as always, man. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right, Mike Sealski. Yeah, I, honestly, I highly suggest everybody check out Mike's uh, most recent column. Um, about Richmond Flowers, uh, which is uh, I know I I knew nothing about it. I I went into completely blind. I'm like, what well, what is Mike writing about? What is this about? And then I read it. I mean, it is it, it's it's I was about to say it's lengthy, but it's it's incredibly informative and tells such a story uh, when you know nothing about it prior. I, I suggest everybody check it out. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.